Welcome to this special live edition of the Policing Matters podcast on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Today, we're here to talk about officer wellness and how to build an effective wellness program. This podcast is part of Lexapol's First Responder Wellness Week, which is designed to support, raise awareness, and to promote strong self-care among public safety workers. You can find out many more resources online at PoliceOne.com. In 2022, the Stanislaw County Sheriff's Office in Central California received the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund's Destination Zero Officer Wellness Award. Joining me here today is Stanislaw County Sheriff Jeff Dirksey and Sergeant Aaron Costello to talk about the program and share their advice on steps to success. We will touch on the importance of implementing a culture of wellness from the top down, the key components of a comprehensive wellness program and strategies to incentivize employee participation. First, a little background on our guests. Sheriff Dirksey began his career in law enforcement in 2007 with the Stanislaw County Sheriff's Department, serving in patrol and as a detective. He was sworn into office as the sheriff coroner in January 7th, 2019. Sergeant Aaron Costello began his law enforcement career in 2003 with the Stanislaw County Sheriff's Department, and he's also worked patrol and as a detective in the gang unit. He was promoted to sergeant in 2013. Welcome, Sheriff Dirksey and Sergeant Costello. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Hey, congratulations on your recognition and in building something that is so important to individuals within law enforcement organizations today. What was the impetus for starting the program? Well, you kind of covered my history very briefly. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the military before I got into law enforcement. Um, And when I originally ran for sheriff four years ago, um, I, you know, I looked at our department, my time here, and, you know, while a number of our staff was fit, like there are ways that we can do this better. And kind of coming from that military background where, you know, there's annual PT tests and a variety of physical requirements, I think, you know, that that is a good model for us to mirror. And so that the physical side of it was really the original intent um, four years ago. But as we really got into this more and more, we also realized the need for, um, you know, that mental and emotional side, you know, the, the mental well-being. And that the whole, as we had a lot of conversations around that, it was one of my four main initiatives was this became this idea of wellness. Uh, some of some aspects we already had and some we needed to to bring to the table. Uh, that's kind of what started it. And the interesting thing that I found is um, in my conversations with the community and you know various folks across our, our county, our citizens were also deeply concerned about our wellness. And it really resonated with them that we wanted to go down this road. And uh, that I thought was very important because it really uh, benefited, you know, the goals that we were trying to achieve. Yeah, it's great. It's so great to have the community concern and support. Can you tell us a little bit how the program is structured? Yes, we we have a variety of different things that we offer. And, And I'll start by saying the physical side is much easier than that mental side uh, for a variety of reasons, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, But the very first thing that we brought on board was uh, an athletic trainer. And uh, her name is Danielle, she has some staff. uh, And they, you know, so most people are familiar with an athletic trainer. You know, they see sports or whatnot, you'll get taped up and so on. They can do that, but that's not really what they do. They're, They're really more like a physical therapist. You know, you go in with an achy shoulder, back pain, whatever the issue is, and they poke, prod, manipulate, stretch. Um, you know, I always kind of tell people oh, it's like a massage, but you're going to leave crying because that's a fairly accurate uh, a statement. And that was the first thing that we brought in. And that was very, very well received. I mean, because in our profession, right, regardless of whether you work in a custodial facility or out on the streets, uh, everybody has kind of physical ailments after a while. Uh, next, we added a nutritionist, right? We had folks that wanted to gain muscle, lose fat, whatever. Uh, so we brought in a nutritionist and we added a CrossFit um, training provider. 
We also changed some policies internal to our organization to open up our main gym at our training center 24 7 365 for all staff they can just swipe their key card go use it uh, previously that was not the case uh, so those were the those were the first things that we brought on board specifically around the physical side uh, subsequently we added a yoga provider uh, warrior yoga out of one of our towns um, and they they originally came on site as did our crossfit provider and that has morphed and we can talk about that uh, in a little bit uh, we've also added another gym um, that not crossfit centric it's it's really probably targeted more at like our civilian staff uh, the folks that they really don't want to do crossfit or get you know super strong they just want to be healthier uh, maybe lose some pounds it's really kind of targeted at that group uh, we also now the kind of the last step and aaron jump in if i've forgotten something uh, we've also created what we call open mat and it's uh, on a sunday and uh, folks can basically go do uh, combatives gracie jiu-jitsu whatnot we we pay our instructors to be there but it's open to all staff and you know it's just it can be a great workout it's training but not training um but we open that that staff other than the instructors does not get paid to attend that uh, but they can just go and work on their skills so i don't know aaron did i miss anything i think that's everything we have now yeah that's uh about it and i there, and then we also have like on more on the mental side we have our peer support we have the department uh shrink that's available to staff we have our chaplains uh, we have all of that as well, but like I said, that that piece is just much more difficult to address. Yeah, so it sounds like you cover all the bases, and maybe we're going a little bit back in time to when people went through the academy. Sheriff, we, we train people uh, when they come in, they take a physical agility test, they come in and we try to build them up for the job, but then a lot of agencies tend to drop the ball afterwards and say, hey, you're on your own after this. It's great to hear your program. I'm starting to hear more from athletic trainers. Uh, Tracy Toffner from Wisconsin's doing a terrific job out there. We talk about uh, fitness standards and the need and, and why we shouldn't drop them. And actually, you're going, uh, rather than reactive when an officer gets hurt, to being proactive and building up that strength to prevent them from being hurt. Yes, uh, very much so. I, I like the idea of what I call the tactical athlete. I did not, I mean, it's a common term. I did not come up with it and because really that's what we are. Um, you know, again, regardless of what capacity you work, you know, streets in a facility, whatever, uh, our folks are tactical athletes. You know, sadly, this week we have the um, you know the shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. But you see those responding officers that took some fitness, right? They had to get from their car. You know, it's high stress. Uh, you know, moving upstairs, down hallways did not appear to be exceptionally long. But you've got to be able to accomplish that. And then when you get there, you've got to be able to finish that fight. Um, obviously, in this case, it involved a weapon. Uh, but you know, what if that turned into you know, some sort of an actual physical altercation, you've got to be able to get there and finish that fight. So pushing that idea of that tactical athlete, because that's what we are, I think is very important. Absolutely. And oftentimes it's not so difficult to get people to buy into a physical workout. Hey, we're going to allot you some time on duty to get in the gym, get strong, work on the mat, develop some new skills. But now, um, Certainly there remains that stigma related to the mental health issues that you alluded to. How did you overcome that in particular? Yeah, that you're absolutely right. It is much, much harder to get people to buy into this idea of their own mental health. Um, and it comes in a variety of, of facets. So from where I sit as the sheriff, you know, obviously I, I deal with a lot of our IAs, you know, the internal affairs investigations, the punishment, uh, if you will. And not always, but regularly when I see someone who comes in, you know, for some sort of on-duty or potentially off-duty conduct that has gotten them in trouble, I can look back in their history if I know them reasonably well and say, oh, that, that stems from the divorce two years ago or from, you know, financial issues two years ago. They developed a drinking problem and now, you know, they showed up to work drunk uh, or whatever. And so if we, you know, that mental side of it, 
if we can address some of those issues that that are creating the stress in their life that may prevent them from ever you know kind of having to come in and face any kind of discipline um doesn't mean they won't get divorced or something like that but if we could help them or at least provide the services for them to navigate those life issues more successfully that will make them a better employee a better person you know and a better responder for our community um but you know kind of specifically to the question of how do you handle it i will tell you it takes it i think from the top down to just destigmatize it and tell people it's okay it's okay that you have an issue from seeing someone who got shot in the head from a dead baby from that stressful thing that that you know you encountered um so i was a company commander in iraq in 2005 and when we redeployed back to the u.s the military uh, the army assigned a shrink or some sort of accounts so i don't know what their actual title was but um, to every company that came back and um, our guy was just a great guy, former military guy. We kind of connected with him, uh, but every soldier had to go see him. And, and I would love to say that I did this with all sorts of forethought. I didn't, right? but I stood in front of the company and I said, hey, we're all going to go do this. And I said, I'm going to go first. And then I walked into his the little office that he had in our, in our barracks and sat in there for 10 or 15 minutes with him. And then I left and everybody started to cycle through. But uh, again, that was kind of a random thing, a spur of the moment thing, but that set the tone for all of my soldiers to go into there and then talk about whatever they talked about. I didn't, I never got reports on that. It's none of my business. But uh, reflecting back on that, it took me as the company commander to destigmatize people talking to him. And I've kind of carried that forward into this profession. And we we try to, to the extent possible, Kind of openly acknowledge or praise people it may be anonymous uh, but praise people like hey we had someone come and see us with a problem they were afforded certain services um and now they're better you know and again we leave names out of it and so on but we try to kind of positively reinforce it's okay if you're having an issue just come and see seek help we work with our unions all the presidents like, hey, if you know of someone who has an issue, you can come to us, you can go straight to HR, wherever, you can leave us out of it, but we want them to have help. And so go deal with them so that we're not dealing with them later. Mm -hmm. And Sheriff, uh, it seems like so many agencies have some sort of early intervention program where we're monitoring, uh, calling in sick and vacation and, traffic collisions and complaints and use of force and all that. Are you using any any of those um, data sources to reach out to members or, or are you reactive and, and wait for them to come to you? On the mental health side, <clears throat> excuse me, on the mental health side, I will say we are typically more reactive. Um, you know, but we do kind of encourage our staff, lieutenants and sergeants and so on. If you see someone, the unions, as I kind of spoke to, if you, you know, they're going to know way better than I am. You know, we're an organization of all said and done with a thousand people. I, I'm not going to know if, you know, Smith or Perez somewhere is maybe having an issue. Um, but try to get their chain of command to be on the lookout for that. Again, steer them. But we are more reactive. And I'll tell you the challenge is we see this regularly. You know, somebody intervenes with, with Smith, our mythical Smith. And it's their hesitancy or their pushback. No, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'm going to take a couple of days off. And but they think they're solving the problem, but they're not. They're just kind of kicking the can down the road. Getting them to actually acknowledge it is the hardest part. But those that do, for the most part, our experience has been if they really say, I have a problem, maybe they have an alcohol issue. Um, most of them, not all, sadly, but most of them have seen pretty good success with getting their problem resolved. Okay. Hey, Sergeant Costello, Aaron, you are boots on the ground. Uh, oftentimes we create a program at the command level and then there's maybe somewhere in between, it doesn't really get down to, to how it should work. How's it working? What's the feedback from line supervisors such as yourself? Um, 
it's working. It's working. So, I mean, I would say the program's successful, but I'm kind of going to get philosophical on it. Uh, I actually wrote the submission for the Destination Zero Wellness Program, and I knew a little bit about our program, but I would say that if you're in the crowd and you want to um, get perspective on where you need to start, I would say mock write your own wellness program. What do you have? What do you need? What do you think you offer? And the more I wrote, the more I talked to people, the more I found that we had. Um, so I've got more, uh, the dichotomy of our agency, we had a lot to offer, uh, more than I anticipated. And if you were to do that yourself, then you could probably see what you're not offering. Um, as far as the on the ground goes, I would say in the program, and I'm going to use a cliche saying, you know, Einstein says, if I had a problem to solve, I have one hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes on the problem, you know, five minutes on the solution. I think that the problem of wellness is constantly evolving. Problem. Have a if you're out there and you need to start a wellness program, you've identified that you start a program. But starting a program is not the same thing as implementing it, and then obviously maintaining it. It's a lot harder. And and I use the analogy or the perspective of let's say ours is voluntary, and and what we did was we started a wellness program. But what we really want our end game is a wellness culture, which is totally different. And if you look at it from an adaptive leadership kind of problem, uh, changing a culture is really hard, uh, and that is how I measure our success. I would say we're very successful, but if I would say that we have 20% voluntary participation, how do I get to 21%? And how do I get to 22? How do I get to 30? How do I get to 50? How do I get to 100? And so that measurement um, is what I would say, if you're really wanting to get your program more effective, you gotta look at it uh, more problematic and, and keep with it. Um, the fact of the matter is I, I dwell in the physical realm a lot. I'm at the gym every day. I'm always trying to find improvements. Um, People don't like being uncomfortable. They like comfort. Uh, there's a book the sheriff has in his office called The Comfort Crisis. It talks about how we're adapting to this world of comforts and you know nice temperatures and lots of food, and that's not good for us mentally and physically. And getting mass participation is really hard. So if you have a program and you start it, that's great. I say it's a lot harder, 10x harder after you've got the program started to maintain and improve it um, and to interconnect all these things. So I'd say our program's great. Uh, what I would like to see as we move forward is uh, the coordination within. How do we how do we improve our networks between the physical therapists and the nutritionists and the coaching? You know, I think we need a lot more coaches. I think we need a way to motivate people more, and that's absolutely the hardest thing to do. Uh, back to the mental wellness thing. If we have somebody and we're proactive in identifying a future issue, uh, one thing I've noticed about some people we've had who have had issues is if they don't want help. We can only do so much and so we we offer these proactive things and they're not responsive to it it's, it's really hard it makes it hard to that's the most difficult niche of the whole program is the mental wellness part and then you know you can't obviously breach in there you can't force in there and then you have unions and it kind of makes it kind of a an interesting challenge to solve the physical is much easier to look at but there's a lot more problems to it in terms of the wellness, I say it's good. I say we have great participation. We have good morale. Um, I'm not happy with it. I want more. I want, you know, I want 50 to 100% participation. I want the gym to be so busy that there's no space to work out. And now we have a new problem, a good problem. And so I've got a ton of information on that that I can break down into what I think would be better. Um, back to this, if you're making a wellness program and we talk about the tactical athlete, the biggest thing I've learned is there are factions of what people think wellness is. Everybody's got their opinion. And if you try to come down with one direct line of this is what wellness is, uh, you're gonna get pushback, right? People like traditional weightlifting, they like CrossFit, they like yoga. And if you can't somehow find a way to, to uh, appease that group, you're only gonna get a, a fraction of participation in what you offer. So I, I think that's one of the bigger challenges is how do I make this uh, inclusive for everyone? Yeah, that's great. Oftentimes we'll just implement a program and say, there it goes. Sounds like you're doing a great job assessing and fine tuning. Do you meet regularly? Do you have a group that uh, that does a regular assessment or check-ins with maybe sergeants to see how the program's running? Aaron, I'm going to punt that one to you. Yeah, yes and no. And one of the future steps I think we need is to enhance our coordination as we need that. And and one of the things I think of is people love to work out. They're going to go to the gym. But I think there's a huge, the, the greater uh, part of the iceberg that's underneath the water is people who are afraid to work out. They're afraid to start. They don't know how to start. And they don't, they're not forward with it. You know, and some people just are uncomfortable with it. 
and it's really hard. How do I reach those people? And even though I'll send information out, I'll try to, I see a much deeper uh, coordination. We need this uh, ecosystem of education, support, and and it's not mandatory, so it's voluntary. So the next theory I have is uh, we kind of need um, some ambassadors for the fitness program. Like who's a charismatic person in each department and within the department who can motivate and try to get this cultivated, get groups, get the culture change. Because it's really hard for one person just sending out an email to get an effective response and change. And and that that network I think needs to be built up with people who really care about it. Um, I think that's the way it would be stronger than rather than just directive. You shall do X, Y, and Z. Um, <laughs> building that, I think it's just going to take a lot of time. I, well, sure. I got two thoughts on that, Jim. If I could, um, sure. one, you know, and Aaron already touched on this. You know, that people have different things that they want to do, right? They want to be, you know, iron heads and just go lift. They want to do CrossFit. They whatever, you know. Obviously, I would say that, like, as the sheriff, if I had my my perfect solution, everybody would be kind of that top CrossFit athlete type, right? Very well-rounded. They have cardio, they have strength, they have power, um, you know, mobility, et cetera. That would be the ideal. But I think that a more realistic goal is keeping everybody healthy or well. And from my standpoint, kind of my, my official position is, I don't really care what you do. I want you to be fit and healthy. Um, you know, and it, it, if you want to run marathons, not my thing, but knock yourself out, right? We have some folks here that are kind of big into cycling. I think that's fantastic, right? We do things to kind of support them in their cycling endeavors. Go forth and do it. Um, you know, if there's some sort of a sport, um, you know, I don't know if they wanted to have a basketball league, all those things would be great, even though they don't really directly transfer to our job. They are then, if at least they're fit and healthy, that is a huge first step. Uh, you know, the other thing um, that I would say, and Aaron's already alluded to it, but, and we're in the process, our program has grown over time and gotten bigger and bigger. And we, you know, every time there's a, a good idea, um, you know, we try to bring it on board. And so we've talked about as we've grown, we've added this, that, and the next thing. Here's the problem that we have now. We kind of have different leads on all of it, right? Aaron kind of is on lead on certain parts of it. We have, you know, maybe a captain or a lieutenant who's lead on part of it. Um, and what we lack currently is that coordination and synchronization across the organization. And so we're we're in the process of trying to hire someone on contract um, that would be kind of our our department's wellness coordinator and um, you know make sure it, it's well marketed because. Uh, you know, like a lot of folks out there, we're hiring people literally every week. So if we're not regularly putting out that information, someone who's been here three months or six months or a year, right, if they missed an email, um, they don't even know some of the stuff that we offer. And so you've got to have that, you know, that person that's synchronizing that internal marketing of the program, right, you know, for any department, um, you know, I said earlier, we're about a thousand all said and done. So I'm sure that there's folks on here from much larger organizations and probably smaller organizations. You need to look at your organization and the size of it. And do you need a full-time coordinator to run with this? Or can it be, you know, an additional duty for an officer, a deputy, a lieutenant, a sergeant, whatever the rank may be? Uh, that's something that you've got to figure out. You've got to pin the rose on one person though. And we've grown out of that and so we're, we're trying to put that back together that's great you know so many uh we're seeing chaplains and family support are you doing any outreach to the families of your personnel the short answer to that i'm going to say is no um but it it has been a topic that we have talked about um in a number a number of times and so uh you know Obviously, as the sheriff, I'm fairly active in a, a variety of things across the community and within the organization. But uh, my wife is my sidekick. She comes to all sorts of stuff. But she tells me, too, she's like, we have to crack that code of like, how do we get information out to spouses, significant others, you know, whatever the case may be? Because it's like, if you don't tell me about something, how am I supposed to find out about it? Um, now she's again fairly tied in here. She's actually a volunteer for us, but um, so she can get it kind of directly, you know. But 
they say Aaron's wife, if he doesn't go home and tell her, she may not ever know that there's a picnic, a service, uh, um, you know, uh, some something that's offered uh, unless he says it. So we've got to come up with a way to distribute the information to the families or significant others as well. And, and I'll be honest, we have not cracked that code yet. We've talked about closed Facebook groups, um, you know, other you know mass emails, but uh, separate discussion. I hate email with a passion, uh, but I typically delete half of them. But and I'm afraid that the staff does that too. So we've got to come up with a better way of getting that information out there. Yeah. Hey, room to grow. So, Sheriff, you are clearly the leader in your organization. What did you have to do to convince people outside, the external people, maybe your budget people, your city council, the mayor, or the union? How did you get their buy-in? Um, well, actually, our union, we'll start with the union. They were very supportive, all, all of our various. We have kind of four main unions or associations that represent our various um, actual law enforcement staff. Uh, they were very supportive. Um, we've not had any pushback from them. The only place where there was question and concern was like, hey, if I go see the the athletic trainer, is that getting reported that I have an ache or a pain? The answer to that is no. And we still fight that stigma at some level. Um, you know, people get wrapped up with, I don't want admin to know that I, my something hurts. Um, so we do still deal with that, but. That was really the only place where we had to have real conversation with our associations. Um, for most of what we did, I didn't ask anybody's permission, I just did it. Um, it when it came to contracting with folks and so on, and I have to follow all the various county rules and so on, but uh, yeah, literally within my budget, we just absorbed it. Um, and that no, no one has ever questioned that. And the easy sale, sell for that is when we talk to recruits or people that are applied or looking, um, it is a huge recruiting tool as well. Like, oh, I can do this, I can do that on duty, I have free access to that. Oh, heck yeah, I'm applying there, or that's why I applied here, or whatever. Um, the one place where we really had to work with our, our uh, CEO and, and board to get funding is we have a wellness incentive as well. Um, simply put we you can take a physical fitness test once a year it's either the basic post physical agility test that everybody had to take to graduate from the academy and become a cop uh, if you pass that you get five hundred dollars and if you pass the swap pt test uh, which is harder you get a thousand dollars and it's just paid once a year every year and if you do one we typically offer it like march and september um, if you pass, you know, say the basic post in March and get in better shape and pass the SWAT in September, you get the $500 difference. So obviously that was a specific funding request uh, and our board uh, approved that. And it applies to, in our organization, we have two classifications of deputy sheriff and deputy sheriff custodial. They're different classifications, but it applies across the board to both sides. Um, and so that has been very helpful. That was, but that was really the only thing that I had to actually negotiate with anybody over. All right, makes sense. Fitness bonus. Uh, you've talked about the feedback, generally good. Uh, Aaron, you talked about the the line people loving it. Uh, any challenges or all good? Uh, yeah, there are still challenges. There's. Uh, I like to think that the what makes a good encounter is you know the convenience that. Uh, uh, our gym provides or what we what we offer to them and then obviously uh, diversity and what we offer and uh, it's good and the more you feed them uh, little things the more they want and so I think one thing that's really important for whoever's over there wanting to develop a wellness program is you kind of got to be on the trending uh, with what's trending and on the leading edge of technology and fitness if you follow Instagram you follow anything there's all these new things coming out uh, specifically for science and physical wellness you know mobility is a huge thing that wasn't around and it's our physical therapists teach it and i've been using a lot of mobility and it's a game changer you know being a typical SWAT guy with a broken back from carrying heavy stuff to doing these weird hip stretches and now my pain's almost gone and it's there's these emerging trends so i think if you're addressing your program um you need to listen to what people are saying but you also need to be innovative in how you see stuff and 
the reason I'm underlying that is longevity, I think, is a big goal. And I don't mean longevity for the program, but I mean longevity for my 23-year-old officer who has to retire at 57. How do you do a wellness program that addresses their longevity and their wellness so when they retire, they're still ambulatory, right? They can walk, they don't have any severe issues, and they're mentally well. And so long, is your program sustainable and, and is there a longevity element? And like some of the trending uh, things that are coming out right now with science is uh, sauna exposure, cold exposure. We're talking about heat shock, cold shock proteins, things that are really supposed to help with uh, things that we've never considered before. And and they're really out of the out of the blue, kind of out of the box kind of thinking. And how do you provide those solutions? Those are the problems, the challenges that I kind of stew on. Like, how do I provide that? Well, I'm going to try to get sauna and try to get a cold tub. They're expensive. So you got to have the right stakeholders involved and you got you to have the logistics to get that done. Um, but those are some of the things that, you know, people want to see. I've had more people interested in sauna than any other piece of equipment I've brought to the gym. It's kind of interesting. You know, my greatest success in this department was getting a coffee machine in the break room. You can do things with a coffee machine. So people are fickle when it comes to this kind of program. Um, but I would say that longevity. And then another thing that we've noticed that is uh, the retirees. When someone's been here for 20, 30 years and they retire, they feel like they don't get any help. Like, what's the exit plan? How are they not prepared for that exit plan? You know, you talk about the medical after the retirement and all these different, uh, you know, how you're going to get your retirement funds. And all. There's a lot there that can be provided. That's also a wellness factor because you're taking care of that employee. And I think that's another area we need to address. Because some retirees have complained that I didn't know how to do this. How do I do this? You know, what do I do after I retire? And that's another component. So I think big picture and innovation and imagination are key to uh, having a fluid program. Yeah, yeah, I would add to that, um, you know, for any department that's looking to start one, start, start somewhere, right? And just get going. And as people do it and they like it, they don't like it, they're gonna, like Aaron has said, they're gonna ask, hey, could we do this? Could we do that? Um, so just get get going. And don't be afraid to cut programs that are irrelevant or not desired any longer. Um, so we we brought in our first nutritionist kind of went by the wayside. And she actually left on her own, but uh, people did not really care for what her, her style because she had kind of a very set piece, one size fits all type of style that was very good for healthy living. But uh, when folks, you know, if Aaron wants to put on 10 pounds of muscle next year, her advice wasn't going to help him with that. Or if, you know, if I want to lose 10 pounds of fat, her advice might've helped me with that. But anyway, um, but the, uh, the nutritionist that we have on board now, he, um, he, he tailors his programs to your specific goals. You want to lose weight. You have a, a like I talked about some cyclists, they have, you know, a massive ride coming up. Okay. Well, here's, you know, some, some nutrition, for you to focus your next two months of training on that for that targeted event or whatever the case may be so he's been way more way better received than the first lady was um, we've changed things we used to bring yoga on site and the challenge that we have is i cannot afford to pay the yoga instructors to show up six times a day for two or three people a shot right because we you know we have people we have shifts that start at six seven eight nine and then swing shifts you know and then graveyard well when do you schedule something to accommodate the greatest number so uh, ultimately what we've done is we've we, people can still use our gym but if they want to use one of our providers we just send them to their facility so if you want to go do yoga go to her facility show the id card you know she offers 12 classes a day or something it's just way easier that way to accommodate people's schedules. So, but don't be afraid to change. Uh, that that don't think you've got to start with one thing and keep it forever and never change. Change, because change is important. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some fiscal uh, questions in there, but I think if you can find a uh, an organization that offers a la carte sessions, you probably save a lot more money than blanket because. People ebb and flow in how they go to wellness mm -hmm. programs. And so you'll see that it's not being as used as much as you would like, and therefore it's not costing as much. Whereas when we were bringing them down, everyone loved yoga. Everyone. Well, our crowds were up to 20 people at a time. And then by the end, there was two or three. It was sporadic. So it's really hard to maintain that, uh, that kind of dedication over a long period.
Yeah, and I think um, so. Just kind of for those that are that are listening, like how do we do some of that? We um, so say for our CrossFit provider, uh, you know, you just walk in, show our ID card, and they bill us for that session. I think it's I think it's fifteen dollars a session. I, I don't even know. Uh, you know, so you can go three times a day, and we'll pay for forty five dollars a day for you, or you can go once a week, and we'll pay for fifteen dollars a week. But that that all the cart weight it. Um, that I think is the best way to do it. It's hard now. It's hard to budget for, right? Because I don't know. I don't know how. Might is everybody going to go three times a day or once a month? I don't know. But uh, so that part is a challenge. But it also then incentivizes the service providers to do kind of their own recruiting and their own marketing, right? Because the more of our folks that show up, the more money they make. So uh, we've kind of struck that as the the happy balance and. Um, and we do that for all of our services now, for the two gyms, the yoga, and I think the price schedule is, I think it's different, I don't even know. But anyway, that, that's how we do it. So that, that, we've, that has worked out very well for us. Well, it's not surprising that you won the Zero Destination Award for your officer wellness program. We have a lot of interest and I'm gonna open it up now for some questions from, uh, that we're receiving from some of our listeners. Great. Thanks, Jim. We have had a lot of questions, a lot of interest in what you guys are doing. Uh, first off, as you were just talking about the provider, Sheriff, how did you approach providers to contract with you? Uh, that's a good question. So we um, originally, so I talked about Danielle is her name, our athletic trainer. Uh, I'd actually been referred to her. I have all sorts of aches and pains like most people in this profession, especially when you come out of the military and play contact sports your whole life, whatever. My story is not unique. Um, but I was I was actually referred to Danielle by another staff member, by one of my captains. So I'd go see her. She would work on fixing me. And over time, I started some conversations with her, like, why don't you come do this at my office? Um, you know, we'll, we'll set it up. She was the first one. Uh, what do we have her fidge? Three to six months initially. I don't even remember. Um, as she was here, we started having more conversations with her. She brought in the uh, original CrossFit gym and the original nutritionist kind of as a package deal, uh, kind of for the second iteration. Um, and it was just, at that point, it was kind of word of mouth. So that wasn't like an RFP or something like that. Um, we, you know, that went out for bid and people gave proposals. It was kind of a word of mouth and like direct conversation piece. Um, the yoga was sort of the same way. Uh, I had actually originally approached one lady locally that does yoga and that kind of fell through. And my wife actually had um, prior experience with our current yoga provider. So I contacted her. We met once. She was excited. The rest is history. And now what we are seeing is we are getting folks that are reaching out to us, other local gyms uh, that offer either the same thing or different things that they also want to join our program. Um, and so that is, uh, you know, pretty useful. The one piece uh, on that, and this is maybe, I think, a bigger city or a county. So our county is about 1,500 square miles. Not the biggest, not the smallest, but whatever, kind of in the middle. But we, of course, have staff that live all across our county or even out of county. But um, one of the things, one of the next iterations is we want to add more yoga studios or more CrossFit gyms because like our CrossFit gym is kind of way up in the north of our county. Our yoga studio is kind of in the south of our county. Well, that if you live in the south of the county and you want to go to CrossFit, our provider, I mean, it's a 30 to 40 minute drive. That's not convenient. So we would like to kind of spread it out around the county. So ideally, there's a provider for our various services within 15 minutes or so of most of our staff. Uh, right. So that'll be something for our coordinator whenever he or she Hopefully it's a she, there's one I want whenever she starts. Now you mentioned the nutritionist, uh, is that a full-time position or do you contract with services? All of ours are contract. Um, and so he is here, you know how long he, how many hours he's here? He, he shows up on Wednesdays from roughly like nine to three, but he owns an actual nutrition store in uh, Modesto nearby. And all employees can go in there for free, get a free assessment. They, they even get, uh, you know, discounts on supplements, all that stuff. So he's always available. Yeah. 
Uh, we've had a few questions relating to uh, two parts. Are, are officers working out on duty time on their shift? And if they're injured, how are they covered? Uh, yes, that, that is always the dilemma. Um, so we do authorize them to work out on, on duty. Um, and it's, it's sort of, um, it is, I'll just say it clearly, it is not a super specific and clearly defined policy. It's basically, hey, if you want to take your lunch break and go work out, knock yourself out, the expectation of your patrol, you've got your gear handy and you're listening to the radio in case something crazy happens. Um, we have not had to cross the on-duty injury bridge yet. So uh, that was, but on that note, I mean, it'll happen eventually. It is what it is. Um, but I, I still look at it, and Aaron kind of alluded to some of the, some of the stats. I'll happily live with that on-duty injury or workman's comp claim because, you know, in the long run, I believe it will reduce claims overall. Um, the, that was also, though, when I talked about our incentive, that was one of the ways that we got it because I don't pay people to work out. Um, I pay them to take a test, right? And so obviously, if they get injured taking the test, it's on duty. But um, it's also, it's not so much that they're getting paid to work out, even though they can work out on duty. Um, there's kind of a di nuanced difference there, if that makes sense. This is kind of a, a, a stigma that's been around for a while. It used to be you couldn't work out on duty, but you could go home and eat lunch for 45 minutes. And what were you doing at home? Taking your belt off, taking your shoe off. So why can't I do that in the gym? And I'm actually closer. And I think uh, one thing we didn't talk about was the keys to making a successful program is, you know, each agency has their own administrative process or red tape, the bureaucracy. And, uh, you know, nothing venture, nothing gain. You got to let it go. I mean, if you're always worried about these injuries, you're never going to take that step forward for, the positives of what comes from working out on duty. And I can say firsthand, we have three or four every day deputies working out for 30 minutes on duty sergeants. And that was never a thing before. So I can say that in these programs, a lot of administrators are gonna want statistics. I want numbers. You can't measure success in this world. Um, and so you can't use that. And another thing was that's been really helpful for us is kind of this decentralized authority. I have a lot of informal authority um, if you have someone passionate about it and they're able to move the program forward, let them go and then, you know, keep them in check financially with finance, but let them let them move along. You know, they haven't stopped me from spending money yet, but um, they will. But I think it's making the program better. And so and I can show that statistically, I can show use and improvements as a result of that. Great. Um, do your gel staff react differently to any of the elements of the program? Similar well, participation across the board? jail staff is yeah that, i would actually say that our jail staff our custodial staff probably use more of the programs than more of our than our operational staff does um and i don't know uh, uh yes we have about a dozen facilities across the county but all of our jail staff with a couple of exceptions like a half a dozen people are all on this campus on our main campus where the majority of our facilities are so i don't know if it's a a um Kind of a convenience or a geographic right they're co-located with the, the facilities or the services but they are actually probably our well not probably they are our biggest users of the program yeah i would say it's probably three to one uh, the jail staff versus the operations staff uh, one of our unique problems with the sheriff's department is we have you know our main office we have a jail we have four contract cities we have a courthouse we have a coroner's office and everywhere they have these little satellite gyms or satellite groups. And a lot of the people from these satellite locations never show up to this area. If we were a big centralized agency, I think we'd have a much more yeah. tangible, visible uh, interaction. So it's really hard to measure. Um, and that also is a problem with the program because like I'm known for getting equipment for stuff. And then I go to another facility and they're like, hey, can we get some new benches? They've had like benches from like 1970s. And, you know, part of the program is being able to get to everyone, everyone. Mm -hmm everyone and affect everyone rather than just the big central gym um, and that's a challenge not necessarily something more successful at. Uh, next question how did you go about selecting your mental health specialist counselor that you use yeah she is our she is our contracted um, psychologist psychiatrist whatever she is she does all of our pre-employment screenings um and is on contract to handle critical incidents as well she she could come out for a hostage situation if need be um 
obviously internally any kind of critical incident. So she is pre-existing. Um, that, is, that is not something, thankfully, that we've had to go uh, back out to, and she is generally pretty well regarded within the organization. Uh, and then our peer support team is all uh, our employees. You know, they could be a captain, a lieutenant, a, a deputy, a civilian staff, right? And they're male, female, there's, it's a fairly large team. We provide them with the training. Uh, so they, and that is a voluntary basis. We let, you know, people have to have an interest and volunteer for it. But uh, yeah, so they, I don't know that we've ever actually excluded anybody from that team if they want to join it. I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, question about uh, confidentiality. If a deputy wants to seek help, what is, or for a mental or physical issue, uh, do they have an option without it getting back to administration? What's the confidentiality you guys have in place? Yeah, um, it is uh, very, very confidential. It's probably the only way I can say it. And I did kind of allude to that earlier because there is a certain stigma that they think, oh, if I go seek help, it's going to get back and it's going to end up in my file. No, nothing is could be further from the truth. Like the only way that I know if someone uses any of our services is if they tell me. Um, or like if I'm going to see Danielle, our, our athletic trainer, right? And I'm waiting for my appointment and you know, Aaron walks out. So I, obviously I know he was in there. Um, or when I walk out, they know I'm in there. But uh, we do not collect any data on that. Obviously, if you go say to CrossFit or to something that we have to pay for, we do know, you know, that you know, 14 people attended last week. Uh, but we don't track names. We don't do any of that. We have no interest in that. Uh, the only way that we will know something is if, uh, you know, our, our mythical deputy Smith comes in either through his union or his sergeant or something and you know, they come to us and say hey smith has a problem and would like to get some help treatment assistance whatever uh, can we send him off for a week to something uh, the answer the answer to that is always yes we will do that obviously i know then that smith has some issue but sometimes we don't even know what it is right um we might be able to theorize, oh, we think it's alcohol or whatever, but we don't ask, we don't care, we just want to ship them off, or they can go do it straight through HR, they don't tell us at all, um, other than the fact that, hey, we need Smith to be off for, you know, off the schedule for a week or whatnot. I think our record is a 30-day program um, that we have shipped someone off to, uh, and so, but we, we, we actually support that. We would rather that someone come and tell us that they have a problem so that we can kind of proactively address it than, you know, deal with it down the road in some negative aspect because something has happened. Great. Uh, this is probably a question for you, Aaron. Um, what are some ideas that can be used to get officers to want to be more active and in good physical health? Uh, you know, Competition and camaraderie are some of the things that I think uh, that I think are important. I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say call it cheerleading, but I don't really have an issue with anyone. I'm very open, and I try to encourage people. And you know, having the right people in that position to be open and encouraging is important because I do think there are a lot of people afraid to get involved. I think there are employees who don't want to come to the gym because there's a bunch of, you know, you know, iron heads sla slamming weights and, you know, got the shirts off and it's kind of intimidating. And I think that's, therein lies my challenge. I'm not really sure how to get that going. I think that I could encourage people to go out and try. Um, but like I said, I don't think my success rate would be a hundred percent. I think my goal is to get to a hundred percent. And I don't know, you got to find the key players that can motivate people. We'll find out what motivates that person. What, what, what motivates you? Um, and then there's there's a lot of people that will realize they have the problem, but they don't care. Like we have this $1,000 uh, wellness incentive if you can do the SWAT qualification. And I have four subordinates in my specialty team. None of them are SWAT members. And I tell them they can work out on duty. I say, you can go on your first last hour at working on duty. And they would rather work one or two overtime shifts than go and train to get the $1,000 incentive. And that's just a mindset that I have not been able to topple. And I don't know if I can. And that, that's where I lie. I lie dwelling in that problem. 
And uh, it really just depends on how, how well you know the crowd that you're targeting and who's your really good charismatic person. You know, who do they want to follow? Who's that informal leader that they like and follow and admire? And, you know, this is obviously a voluntary perspective rather than a mandatory perspective. I think there could be a mandatory perspective that would be very uh, impactful or successful. But, you know, a lot of people don't like being told what to do. You, know, you have the unions involved and that may car cause hardship. But I do think in some terms that may be more effective long in the long term. Like you don't have a choice. This entire squad will go to the gym for an hour. I don't care what you do. Uh, we haven't gotten to that point, but I do think that could be effective. Now, how much morale is crushed by that? I'm not sure yet. Sorry, right, we've, had a lot of <laughs> we've had a lot of questions about whether you can give an estimate for the annual cost for the program, Sheriff, or components of the program, at least. I have absolutely no idea. Um, I, I, yeah, I literally have never asked. Um, I, it's several thousand dollars. I don't, my guess is we're not up to a hundred grand yet, but we're probably pushing it um, for our various contracts. Uh, it just, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, my, my, um, business manager is wonderful and she can make all sorts of magic happen. And so she makes it happen in our budget. And I, we've never had to have a conversation about, oh boy, that's getting too pricey. We need to tone it down. We do try to make sure though, that what we offer is at least getting some level of use. So that is, is uh, part of it as well. But yeah, what's I, your, I have no idea. What's the total personnel there? Uh, we well, we have 850 full time, and then uh, about 150 part time or contractors. So we're right at about a thousand total. Okay, that makes sense per capita. Yeah. yeah. If you look at our incentive pay for doing the qualification, I think we had close to 150 our first year, and if they only did the $500, that's $75,000. So, I mean, you have a cap, like the worst case scenario. I would say you could do that. So you can, this is the exact, you know, the high spend on this program. But I can tell you, as long as it's voluntary, your numbers are always going to dwindle and fluctuate, probably in the lower, probably 20 percentile of total employees. It just this kind of seems about what participation rate is. I can tell you equipment's expensive, but, and I've got a bunch of strategies if anyone wants to reach out about it, uh, how to get more bang for your buck. But you're looking at probably ten to $20,000 in, in actual equipment to get something really effective started that um, that we have quite a lot of equipment, quite a big gym that's expanded over many years. So it's a little bit different in that regard. And for, just... any, for any California agencies too, I think every agency just got a grant through BSCC. Um, ours is like 370 grand. And I'm told it's gonna be an ongoing uh, grant that comes actually with very few strings attached to it, shockingly enough. Uh, so anyway, that's just kind of money for us to spend on wellness. So I, I don't know about other states, uh, but I do know that in California, we just got that and they do expect to continue. The, the anticipation is that they will continue that grant into perpetuity. So we'll see. That's fantastic. Um, advice for smaller agencies. Somebody asks, we don't have the resources for a program, but could we pay per diem usage with a larger agency, do you have any experience with that with your wellness program? That's an interesting, so like a smaller agency paying a larger agency to join them right. is kind of how I'm interpreting that. Um, we actually explored that here, our, both our district attorney's office um, and actually our public defender, who we actually have a pretty good relationship with. Uh, they both wanted to join our program but as it turns out, they're going to just do their own contracts, but it's going to be kind of that same, uh, that same model where they're just, it's kind of a pay to play kind of thing. So I think my recommendation to a small agency would be just reach out to local providers and see if you can pay them on a per session per use basis. Like I said, I think we pay $15 per session for CrossFit. Um, and, you know, you could cap it. And, you know, if you have a limited budget, say you can only spend, I don't know, $5,000 on it, well, you can potentially say, we'll, we'll pay for it until we hit our cap. Um, but that I think is the best solution because that way you are only paying for those that use it and it incentivizes those providers to market, encourage, whatever, uh, and attract more. Uh, I, 
we would certainly be open, I know, to any of our smaller agencies in our county to joining us because the truth is you do get economy of scale, you know, kind of group discounts or bulk rate. Um, we just have not, that has not happened for us yet. Like I said, DA and public defender were going to, but ended up going their own contract route. I would also say if you have a larger uh, facility, like a larger gym uh, group corporation, and you go in there and you actually talk to management, you could probably come up with some kind of package deal because obviously corporations and taxes and donations of services to like associations, you could probably come up with a way to get a fairly inexpensive service provided that benefits the corporation. Because you really look at the numbers, unless you have everyone attending, it's really not going to strap that, that, that gym too hard in terms of financial loss. I mean, they're not going to get any money anyways unless you sign up. So I think it's in their interest to do it. But you got to try. Once again, nothing venture, nothing gain. Yeah. Aaron, you talked about some of the new science around wellness. Um, do you guys have a mindfulness component, tactical breathing, meditation to your wellness program? Yes, uh, tactical breathing's been around for a while. I know there's uh, the book by uh, Lieutenant uh, Grossman uh, on combat. And so tactical breathing is kind of one of those cultural things though that you want passed off. And, and we do it a lot in our training about it. Um, so that that's kind of been around for a minute but in terms of mindfulness we've dabbled in that but that's also even harder to uh, really target and and get adherence from the audience in terms of practice uh, practicing uh, you know that's one of those things where it's on you to do in your own time and you know when no one's around are you really going to do it it's, it's pretty hard now the yoga was very mindfulness uh, centric but then again there was also I noticed an issue is uh, a lot of the more masculine deputies didn't want to be seen out on the mats with the yoga. So it, it creates another issue. It's a challenge, right? The, some guys would never do yoga and I was trying to get them out on the mats and they refuse. And that's a challenge you're going to have to face if you try to do that. I know there are places I've heard where you can get through your uh, medical insurance, you can get the Calm app for free. And the Calm app has mindfulness and breathing. And those are options you could probably look into um, for. And I'm sure there's a million apps you could probably get a, a group discount on to use or free. Great you advice. Know, I think I, I don't think we can talk about this. We also have the Cortico app, um, which I think a lot of agencies use, and I'm 99% certain there's some mindfulness stuff in that. Um, it's been a while since I've been into that app, but uh, yeah, so some of that is out there. Right. Um, we are nearly out of time. We do have a lot of other questions which we will address afterwards and we will post with the show notes. My last question is for you, Sheriff. Engagement was, meant, was mentioned as a way to measure success. What other metrics do you look at to measure the success of your wellness program? Yeah, the, the only real metric that we have applied so far is participation. You know, basically the participation rates. That is the one thing that we've done and some of that, it was actually a conversation. I, I uh, interviewed a potential coordinator yesterday, and we actually talked about that of getting, uh, assuming it's her, to kind of help develop some metrics. You know, but how, you know, and Aaron talked about if we're at 20%, how do we go to 25? If we're at 25, how do we get to 30? You know, uh, so the participation is one, but then those longer term metrics of are we truly seeing the payoff in a lack of OJIs? Um, are we seeing fewer, I'll just broadly say mental health related issues that are coming to us, um, you know, through into that make their way into an IA, you know, complaint or something. Um, so we don't have strong metrics right now beyond participation, uh, but that is absolutely something that we need to work on more. Uh, but what I would also say to any agency that wants to start, don't get wrapped up with your metrics, just start because doing something is better than doing nothing. Great advice. Back to you, Jim, to wrap it up. All right, thanks. Sheriff Dirksy, thank you for your service. Your complete bio is in our show notes. You're doing a great job for the Stanislaw County Sheriff's Department with your award-winning wellness program. Thanks for sitting in with us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm, we have a great team, so they do great work. So thank you. Yep, and Aaron, appreciate your comments and 
your insight. I know you're going to give us a link to uh, some data on the success of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in, in agencies. Look forward to seeing that. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. Uh, you've been listening to How to Build and Sustain an Effective Officer Wellness Program, Policing Matters Special. And uh, hey, drop us a line. Let us know what you think about today's show, what you'd like to see. Drop us a line at policing matters at police1.com, policing matters at police1.com. And hey, look for our next webinar on strategies to prevent school shootings. We've got some great guests there as well. All right, stay safe. Hey, check us out on Apple, SoundCloud, whatever. <laughs> We're out there. Rate us if you can. We appreciate it. Hey, be safe. Take good care. Talk to you soon.